The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. At that time, the Pharisees came and began to argue with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. And he left them, getting into the boat again. He departed to the other side. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise begin with the, the letter of St. James this week. St. James, James wrote the letter, which is called the Catholic Epistles, because it's not addressed to any particular group or city or place, such as, for instance, the letter to the Corinthians, which is addressed to the people of Corinth, or um, <coughs> Galatia, the letter to the Galatians, which is um, written to the people of a region. It is Catholic, it is universal. Our Lord had two disciples by the name of James. One was James, the brother of John, and the other was James, who is referred to as the brother of the Lord. And of course we know that he was a cousin, because he is called, his father was called, um, Alphaeus, James, the son of Alphaeus. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostles begin always by referring to themselves as servants. They are ministers. They are there to proclaim the, the redemption, the salvation that God has brought about through his son, Jesus Christ. They are servants of the word. They are to <clears throat> go out into the whole world and they are to preach and to baptize and bring to salvation. To whom does he address it? To the 12 tribes in the dispersion. These 12 tribes, of course, refer to the people of Israel because, as we well know, the Lord punished them by dispersing them throughout the nations. At Pentecost, we're told they came from the ends of the earth. We, we read how they were Mesopotamia and Egypt and Arabia and, and so on. So these are the ones whom he addresses. They are divided into several categories. They were first of those who heard the word and believed. But because of the persecution in, in, in Jerusalem, they were scattered. They left Jerusalem, though the apostles remained. Then, they going out, they would speak to others. Then there were those who heard but did not believe. He also addresses these as well, as we see in the letter. And still others who heard and disbelieved and persecuted. So, these are the ones whom he addresses. St. Paul, in the letter to the Galatians, said that he went up to Jerusalem after 14 years. And there he met, um, he didn't meet any of the apostles, 
except James, the brother of the Lord. And this is the James who is writing this letter. So what does the apostle tell us? Count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet with various trials. That's a good way to begin, because invariably we will meet trials, but we should count it joy. Why? Because, he tells us, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. In other words, we have been given a gift, a precious faith. St. Paul says that this faith is contained in a fragile vessel. We have to, this faith we have received at our baptism. When we were presented at the font, what do you ask of the church? Faith, baptism. And so this faith that is given to us is objective. It's not something that we feel. It is concrete and explicit. It is manifested and articulated in doctrine. We must know the doctrine. This is what we have to believe if we are to be saved. It's not some wishy-washy, funny feeling in the stomach that we believe in God and that we feel very good about it. No, the faith is solid, objective, concrete, definite. And because we know it, it means that we can hold fast to it, we can stand firm in it. And so the apostle tells us that testing of the faith produces steadfastness and those who persevere to the end will be saved. But he continues, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So this perseverance to the end eventually will bring us to the fullness of redemption. That is perfect, perfection and completeness. Lacking nothing because we will be crowned with, it, the, with, the, with eternal glory. And St. Paul also tells us that we consider the troubles of this life as nothing because we know through them we're being trained to carry the weight of eternal glory. God is not unjust, but rewards us according to the fidelity we have shown in carrying the cross. But how can we know this? We are in these trials in darkness. We have no notion of where we are going. We cannot see. It seems like futility, but this is the voice of the tempter. So we need wisdom. Wisdom directs us to the end. We know the purpose for which we've been made. So the apostle continues, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. God who is wisdom. And God who gives all men generously without reproaching. And it will be given him. So if we need to know where we are going, we need to ask God not just ask him once, but continually beg him to give us this wisdom. And he, we are told, is generous, and he gives, and he does not reproach for having given. Take Solomon as an example. Solomon asks for wisdom, that he might govern this people the Lord had entrusted to him, and the Lord gave generously. And even when Solomon misused it, he was not reproached for it. Let him ask in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So we ask in faith. Now this faith is what is the subjective faith. 
our trusting God. And we know that if we ask with this, without doubting, then we'll be given. But what causes us to doubt? It is the fact that our conscience is not right with God. It is because of sin. And because we do not think ourselves worthy of it. And so we hesitate. Our Lord, throughout his ministry, insisted on faith, this trust in God. We think of the centurion who came, not, not the centurion, we think of the, the um, ruler, the synagogue, who came to the Lord. My little daughter, he says, is home and ill at the point of death. Do come and, and, and heal her. And the Lord got up to go. He is, his faith was not perfect. And then his faith was troubled even more when the servants came and said, do not put the, the master to any further trouble. Your daughter is dead. And the Lord said, have faith. And even though the child was dead, he was able to restore. And then the, but there were the others whose faith the Lord even strengthened. And he tested their faith. As for instance, the Syrophoenician woman, you know, who begged, my daughter is possessed of a demon. And the Lord tested her and said, it's not right to give the food of children to dogs. She said, ah, oh, master, she said, even the house dogs can eat the scraps. So the Lord tests our faith as well. So we must be convinced that God does wish, God does want, God desires to give us the supreme good. So this, the, the apostle says, this, this faith must be whole and entire without doubt. For that person must not suppose that a double-minded man unstable in all his ways, will receive anything from God. And we think of the prophet Elijah. He says, how much longer will you go on hobbling, first on this leg, on this foot, then on this foot? If God is God, worship him. If Baal is God, worship him. But do not um, hobble one, on one foot and then the other. Do not hedge your bets. Be firm, be convicted. So those who are double-minded, those who are unstable, they will not receive anything from the Lord. And now the apostle goes down to deal with specifics where he's looking at those who are troubled. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, the humble one, the one who is poor. He boasts in his exaltation. Because when the Lord tests us, it is a form of exaltation. Our Lord Jesus Christ himself regarded the cross, the greatest sign of humiliation, as exaltation. And the rich man in his humiliation. Because to be given the gifts of this world is in fact a great humiliation. Because we are in danger of becoming servants of them instead of the Lord. And so the apostle tells us what happens to the rich. Because like the flower of the grass, he will pass away. The sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower fails, its beauty perishes. And so the rich, who have all the good things of this world and are forgetful of God exactly like that, we look at their affluence and they show off their wealth. They dress well, they smell well, they walk well and they eat well, and they have all things, and they look scornfully at the poor. What happens to them? 
pass away. There was a rich man who used to eat sumptuously every day, and he wore purple. At his door was a poor beggar who had nothing to eat, full of sores, which the dogs came and licked. And that rich man used to go past the poor man every day and did even cast a look at him. Yet we're told that the rich man died and was buried. And we're told that Lazarus also died. But he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. Here is the lowly brother who is exalted and the rich who is humiliated. Because all of us, the sun will rise and scorch and we will wither, the flower will fade, his beauty will perish. And so the rich man fades away in the midst of his pursuits, in the midst of getting richer. I will build bigger barns, you fool, this very night. A demand will be made for your soul. It is not wealth itself that destroys us, but the failure to use wealth for the greater glory of God, for the benefit of our neighbor, and for the salvation of our souls. Let us then count, ask the Lord to give us the wisdom to count all our trials and our tribulations as something to be joyful about. So from beyond and glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.